Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it on WEEI. I'm Mark Dondero with you until 2.15 as we get you set for more NFL playoff football. Can't wait for the games this afternoon. Uh, we'll get into some of the games. The games last night, the Patriots, what's going on with them. Um, Gerard Mayo. And I have a very poignant Celtics take um, on what we saw on Friday night. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Damn it. I don't care. I've been talking about this for years. I've been talking about this. And what we saw Friday night was the exact thing that worries me about them achieving their ultimate potential. And it was, you know, the one thing that could be their bugaboo down the stretch. I'm not panicking, but it was just a perfect example of everything that has concerned me. We'll get into all of that. But the first thing I just want to touch on has to do with the Boston Red Sox and this whole winter weekend thing. Okay. And what they're doing and what the Patriots are doing and those two franchises in particular. Okay. Now, listen. I was a huge Red Sox supporter last year. I hung on to them. I pumped up their offense. I I was patient. I had hope. All of the things. I was a high and bloom guy. But once we got to a point where it was clear that they were a certain type of team, a team that I hadn't recognized in decades, a lot of that goodwill went out the window. Okay, and I'm not saying that they're going to suck this year. I don't know what's going to happen come, you know, when there's the truck day or a couple weeks. They could be good. They could surprise people. They could improve. But I'm just talking about the actions we've seen the team take. Okay, that's what matters. Winning and how you get there is ultimately all that matters. So it's nice to hear people say the right things. Sam Kennedy, Tom Werner, they go on with with Ken and Curtis. They say all the right things. But I don't really care what they have to say because actions speak louder than words. Chris Sale, while he was here, said all the right things. The actions could never get to where he wanted them to get to. And ultimately, they traded him. We all think fondly of Chris Sale, maybe even more fondly than we think of David Price. But at least David Price ultimately had actions to back up all the Whatever, he had bad things to say. Nobody liked what he had to say, myself included. But he at least performed eventually. 
it never really got to that point, at least in the postseason for Chris Sale. And now here we are with the organization talking about all the things that they want to do, that they're passionate about, that they're going to do. Well, that's great. But we're reacting to what we've seen. I'm sorry. That's We're reacting to what we have seen transpire. And we're not stupid. We've seen it with the Patriots. We saw it with the Patriots. We are not stupid. Bill Belichick, I do what's best for the team. No, you didn't. You did not do what was best for this football team for a lot of years. And that's why, in part, they ended up in the situation that they ended up in and you ended up out the door. In part. Not all on Bill Belichick. He wasn't doing what was best for the team. We know that. He was doing what he wanted to do. Why? Because of six Super Bowls, 72 years old, 20 years with the organization, in control of everything. The dawn. So after all that, the last 25 years, after all that, damn it, if I want to bring my kids in, if I want to hire who I want to hire, I'm going to friggin' do it. You should be grateful. That's the reality of what happened with the Patriots. And don't tell me some of that hasn't seeped into the Red Sox. I don't care how animated Sam Kennedy gets. It's just the way it is. Tom Warner can say whatever he wants based on what we've seen. John Henry's not saying anything. We don't hear from him. Based on what I've seen, and I don't mean to sound like I'm coming at people. I'm not coming at these men. I'm just telling you, based on what we've seen, not just from you, but from the Patriots, we can understand what's going on. There is a little bit of, we've won, we've delivered four championships, we've made this team into an unbelievably big brand. And you know what, damn it, if we want to cut a little payroll, if we don't want to pay as much to the players, baseball players are expensive, then tough, deal with it. I gave you four championships. I've made this team more relevant than ever before. So if I want to do some things that I want to do, diversify my portfolio, or shed payroll, or not go in, on Shohei Otani, well, screw you. And I know they're not, they're not going to say that, but it doesn't matter. They'll do what they want to do. They'll It's their team. It's their business. They own the team. John Henry owns the team. It's his team. I just finished watching... Um, I just finished watching the show Beef. It wasn't even that good, honestly, but it was... You know, everybody's raving about it. Everybody was raving about it. So I was like, I'm looking for something. It's on Netflix. It's easy to maneuver through. I was like, I'll watch. I'll check it out. It wasn't even that good. But there was a line in that show that just, you know, caught my attention. And what it said was, she was asking about, or one of the characters in the show was asking the girl, the woman that was rich, was it worth it? Is it worth all the sacrifice to get rich? And what's it like to be rich? And she said, Everything fades. Meaning, yeah, you might have a high at first, but then you get used to it and things just sort of seem routine and it is what it is and everything fades. And let's be honest, Bill Belichick, the Red Sox owners, it's faded. You've been there. That edge is not still there. It's just not. And that's, you know, it's my opinion. And I know Sam Kennedy was passionate with Ken and Curtis, and I appreciate that. I mean, he says all the right things. But based on what we're seeing, 
and, and uh, was it Chris asked the question. It feels like the passion for this product has faded. That's what it seems like. We're not saying that's the truth. That's what it seems like. And the actions would back that up, in my opinion, as a fan, as an outside person, just looking at it from afar. Okay? So if you want to come at fans or people for being uh, negative or pessimistic or ungrateful, fine. But they're just looking at what it took to get to what, you know, they're comparing the effort that it took to get to where they ultimately wanted to go, which was to the World Series and winning World Series championships and all those things, to where we are now. And then you back that up with not just the perceived effort, but everything in terms of the results, the last place finishes, the Corey Kluber moves, the bad signings, the bad defenses and infields, all those things say, well, whatever, you're just going to be we're just here. We're just here to own the team and, and make whatever money we can make and raise ticket prices. And then there's some optics that, you know, all those different things are at play. That That's the reality. I'm sorry. So you can get animated on the radio all you want. The people, they're right. You own the team, but it's also their team. You don't own those people. And the people say the effort hasn't been there. Perception is reality, and as we all know, sometimes that's enough. And it's not necessarily fair, but that's where it is. We And we just saw the whole thing unfold with the New England Patriots. And now they have the number three pick, and the legendary head coach is out. It just unfolded there. And it's, it feels exactly the same with the Red Sox, except this group are, is the owners. They are doing it the way they want to do it. They're not wrong. They are not wrong. It's not all about payroll. I've been saying that for a long time. I asked High and Bloom last spring. You know, think of all the teams that have won the World Series recently. How many World Series did the Angels get to with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout? Two of the best players in the history of baseball. They didn't even make the playoffs. They couldn't do anything. The Washington Nationals win the World Series after Bryce Harper walked out the door. One of the best players in the game. And they win the World Series the next year. The Atlanta Braves, they lose Ronald Acuna in the middle of the year that they won the World Series. He was lost for the season. How? Those are the best players that you're losing, that are leaving. It's not all about payroll. But it is about effort, and it's about being smart. And if you're not going to have the big high price, you know, signings and players and stars... Well, you damn better well be smart. And I'm not saying they're not smart, but the the results of the Red Sox the last few years would lead me to believe that they're not they're not being as productive as they need to be, obviously. They've admitted as much. You know, if you this is pro sports. If you let up even an inch, somebody is gonna come and bury you. I think that's what the Patriots problem was. Belichick let up just a little bit. I'm going to hire my son. You know, Steve, they've done a fine job eventually. Eventually. But there wasn't enough, I don't know, difference of opinion on the Patriots coaching staff. I mean, it just, they lost their way. But a reason they lost their way, make no mistake, was because Bill Belichick wanted to do what he wanted to do, which was not what was best for the team. Was the desire to win 
still there? Yes. Was his effort still there? Sure. But the philosophy changed. Priorities might have changed a little bit. And that's all you need sometimes in pro sports to ruin and derail a good situation. Change just a little bit. That's all you need. Because some of the other organizations, they are doing whatever the hell it takes to get to the top. And they're doing, you know, they're, they're not blinded by other agendas. Or motivated by other things. You know, Sean McVay was going to do whatever it took to get to the, that was what it was about for him. Winning the parking spot, so to speak. The old Tom Brady thing. You know, then all of a sudden you start winning and other things happen and you have other opportunities. And it is tough. I'm admitting, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to win at that level, but when you start having success, maintaining the edge is difficult. It just is. Why? Because new opportunities arise. And all of a sudden, Taylor Swift's at your door in a bikini or something. And she wants to date and go out. You know, I, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to lose today, but don't tell me that this isn't part of that. That's the type of thing that ends a dynasty. When you get big, when you become high, and I'm not criticizing Travis Kelsey. You should date Taylor Swift. I love it. But I'm just saying it, it becomes, there's more to it and losing your edge is very easy to do. And the Red Sox, damn it, John Henry's had a lot of success. And I've been the first to defend John Henry in this ownership group. People don't like him. They don't like the cut of his jib. Well, whatever. This is the guy. The Red Sox have won four World Series. Different owner. Check that. Same owner. Different head coaches, managers. Different star players. Different teams. The only constant in the four championships has been the owners. And upper management. That's it. Tito. John Farrell. Alex Cora. Theo, Ben Sherrington, Dave Dombrowski, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Rafael Devers, Steve Pierce. Everything's changed. They still won championships. The only thing that's been the same is the owners. I'll be the first to, to give those flowers out. But now I'm looking at what's going on, and it does look like you don't care as much. That's what it looks like. And then you back that up with last place. What do you want me to say? I know the effort and the passion is still there. And Sam Kennedy grew up down the road from Fenway. I get that's all there. But it's also nice to be established and successful and rich. And if the team doesn't do that well, well, whatever. I mean, you want, you want, and you hope for the best. But the other, the fans are looking around Major League Baseball and seeing all these other big-name players and free agents or whatever sign places. And it makes you ornery. And just coming off of what we saw from the Patriots and where they ended up, people are on edge. So excuse us for being on edge. That's the reality. Okay? I don't know. This winter weekend is the, is the oddest thing. that I, I'm not saying it's not a nice idea. It's a great idea to get the fans excited. But the last two years, my geez. And I know, you know, we've been seeing, I'm seeing on social media the posts about how all the other fan bases around Major League Baseball invade Fenway Park ferociously now. I don't know. You're still selling tickets, but is that what you want? I guess that's better than having an empty stadium. I guess. 
But, I mean, things have changed. And that's a problem. And don't get mad at the fans for recognizing it. We're not stupid here. We've watched a lot of teams, a lot of championship teams and organizations. We know what it takes, and we know when things go awry. That's just the reality. All right, when we get back, we'll get to the, uh, I see Tony on the line. We'll get to the calls. I have a Celtics take that we have to get to, have to, because it's very important. Gerard Mayo's press conference and what the Patriots are up to, uh, all of that on the table. But first, let's get it trending here. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. W-E-R. We're back. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Back here on WEI, Mark Dundera with you till close to 2.30. We're leading you into coverage of the NFC Divisional Round matchup between the Lions and the Bucks. I can't believe the Bucks ended up in Detroit. I mean, the Lions can win this game. You know, the Lions can go to the NFC Championship. That would be wild, and I'm rooting for it. I mean, they've been bad my whole life, basically. So, you know, and, and they're an impossible team to not kind of pull for. I don't know why you wouldn't pull for the Detroit Lions. Um, and I would give them a puncher's chance against a puncher's chance against San Francisco. If they can find a way, I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but if they can find a way to, I don't know, create some havoc for Brock Purdy or knock him off his spot a little bit and just create a little doubt, their offense might be able to hang a little bit. Be interesting. Um, 617-779-7937 is the phone number if you want to talk about the Red Sox. Look, I appreciate the mentality here and the thought process behind a guy like Andrew Bailey coming over from San Francisco and trying to improve the pitching staff. And I know... Uh, Craig Breslow's background has to do with the pitching, you know, the pitching of the, the Cubs or wherever he was. 
that's just, it's a tough sell. And I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm not saying their pitching can't be better. I mean, Bailey did some good things with San Francisco staff. And again, you look around at other teams, and it's not like they're just loaded with ace after ace and just stud after stud. That's not how they're built. They just are more productive than you've been. So maybe all it does take is a little, you know, tweaking, a little finesse, some coaching, and then, you know, boom, you get a more productive staff. It's a tough sell for this region. It's a very good division. Um, I'm not going to predict good things necessarily. And here's the other thing I would ask. You know, the owners came in and they're talking about, yeah, uh, Andrew Bailey saying that we don't need to, uh, the Red Sox, they don't need to improve the pitching staff. They've got what they need. Um, then, well, then why were you going after other pitchers that you didn't ultimately get, but you were going after other talent, other pitchers, trying to improve things? You know, this is where we are now. You're trying to improve things, but at the same time, ugh, I don't know. I think we're good with the with what we have. I know you have to say those things, but you're also trying to improve it because, I don't know, you need more talent. It, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like they know what's going on, or at least they're confident in what's going on, and they shouldn't be because it's been bad. You can't talk about back-to-back last-place seasons and then say, yeah, but we're good here. We're going to run it back just because we brought in a pitching coach from the Bay Area. That it's that's not real life. That's not going to be good enough. So, got to see it. I'm keeping doors open. Craig Breslow has a background with pitchers. Whatever he's a pitcher. He used to be a pitcher. I, I'll wait to see it before I start getting optimistic. At this point, that's where we are. So you better get used to the negativity. You got fans from all over the country coming invading Fenway Park. The team's been in last place. They're boring. They lose the offseason, they've lost the in-season. Like it or not, and, the, and maybe the worst part, you're ruining what Fenway Park and Boston was as a baseball market. That's getting ruined. It was a place people, players wanted to come and play. Now it's a place that other fans want to come for a tour and take over. This was a rabid, passionate fan base, and now they are negative towards you. Losing is one thing. A lack of an effort is another thing. And I'm not saying that's the case that's been ruining the Red Sox in recent years. That's just what it looks like in perception is reality, and that's where we are. Um, so we've been talking a lot about the Red Sox and the Patriots and them sort of being hand-in-hand because hand, they both suck right now. Last place, last place. Um. And, you know, Gerard Mayo was impressive during his press conference. He was impressive. You know, I like a lot of what he has to say. I love the fact that he's, you know, he he, he made it clear, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but one of his quotes was along the lines of, you can't just show up and expect somebody to run through a wall for you. You have to manage that relationship to get them to that point, okay? I love that mentality. That's true, especially in today's, NFL with the players and the type of people that play in those professional sports leagues today. 
You have to manage those egos correctly, and you have to get to a point where because of the work you put into the relationship, they're then willing to do what needs to be done for you. I think absolutely, I could be wrong. I think absolutely that was the problem with people like Matt Patricia who showed up, thought because he sort of called a play in the Super Bowl that worked, you should have kissed the ring just because he worked alongside Bill Belichick. I mean, he could not have had a worse attitude if that's what it was. And Gerard Mayo doesn't have that attitude. Matt Patricia needed to do what Gerard Mayo is talking about. And maybe Josh McDaniels is the same thing. Showed up, worked for Belichick, Coach Brady, you better listen to me or else. Nobody wants that. Nobody's thinking like that now. That is not a way to connect with a pro athlete today. Just not. Mayo, I think, gets it in that regard. So that's good. And what are we doing here with this whole Mac Jones thing? How can you possibly bring him back? I don't, you know, he's working out. <laughs> what Am I supposed to get excited by that? He was working out there last year. So what? He works out in the offseason. What, what can he do to be better on the field? I think the only thing that he can do to give him a hope and a prayer of having that happen is to leave. It is over here. He cannot put a Patriots jersey back on and expect to be better. I, I No matter how good Gerard Mayo is. Which, by the way, um, you want to talk about fan reaction? If you don't take anybody associated with the quarterback position at number three, you're going to get a fan reaction. If it's Marvin Harrison Jr., it might be a less of a fan reaction, but you're going to get a reaction. The fans want a quarterback. Now, I'm not saying Gerard Mayo has to listen or do what the fans want him to do. Um, that whole thing with Steve Burton, I thought he was talking about a quarterback. Maybe he's not. That will be an interesting thing to see play out. But I'll tell you this. If Gerard Mayo doesn't end up with a quarterback, it's going to be just the same thing as every, you know, he'll be gone like everyone else. Like everyone else. Let's talk to Steve in Fall River. Hey, Steve. I've got to bring this guy up. Someone has to identify him. Yep. National sports writer made the comment when Peyton Manning walked into the executive offices of the Denver Broncos, the entire organization got better, including the receptionist. Someone had to tell Bob Kraft that. Someone had to tell Bill Belichick that about Tom Brady. The Patriots have to realize it is all about the quarterback. Keeping in mind the Kraft inherited Drew Bledsoe, a top 10 quarterback in the league. Then they flipped it over to Tom Brady. There was a Brady and Bella, there was a Brady Bledsoe war back in the day. Do you remember there were people that during that season that wanted Bledsoe sure. reinstated and yeah. people wanted Brady to stay? I was on Bledsoe's side. You know why? Because I wow. watched Brady. I'm like, the guy's getting two hundred yards a game. He's a game manager. You just I just saw this is what he did in a one. He was a he was a game manager. I used to call it the Brady effect. What was his stats? We talk about it in the morning. He, you know, very pedestrian. I said, what do I want uh, Trent Dilfer for? What the hell do I need Trent Dilfer for? You just were laughing about him. He won, the, he won the year before. So then at the end of the season, they won the whole thing. I said, you're telling me they have two top ten quarterbacks on the roster at the same time? That's pretty unbelievable. And, and, and as a matter of fact, they did, which is very hard to do. 
So the quarterback thing is an important thing, and it, they have to go for it, but they, but they don't have to go for it first because we look at Mac Jones's class. Who's at the top of Mac Jones's class? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, wasn't he a yeah. John Elway? Wasn't that the can't miss? He's got, the same record yeah. as, he's got the same record as Mac Jones. But he has the same record as Mac Jones, essentially. He essentially has the same record as Mac Jones. Now we're back to Mac Jones. He's coming back because his contract says he should come back. He's coming back because he's not broken. He is not broken. I've told you this, by the way. He is not broken. What was broken was Bill Belichick and Bob Kraft and the team and the organization they put around him. And Jared Goff gives us a little a little bit of a of a redemption story. So does Daniel Jones, and so does Tua down in Miami, which was Mike Reese put in his article. This guy didn't want him. The, the Belichick tree didn't want him. And guess what? The owner wanted him, and other people wanted him, and the coach was out. Flores was out. They bring another guy in. Brian Flores had a nice record. He shouldn't have been out. He didn't want the quarterback. I'm not saying that's why Bill Belichick's out. But there is something to be said about a change of scenery. See Jared Goff, change of coach. See Tua Tagliavola. I went to the game in Miami when they lost. He had a lousy pick, Mac Jones. I told the whole world, if Mac Jones was on the Miami Dolphins with that organization, he'd have had better, the same or better stats than Tua. He'd be doing something in San Francisco. The receivers in this day and age are making Average quarterbacks, which That's is right. what Tua right. is. Thanks for the call, Steve. They don't, they I, don't. I'm going to just add to what Steve said, okay, because this is interesting. Now, do I think Mac Jones has a chance to have success here after everything that's happened? I don't really, no. But I will say this, and I agree with the whole thing that Steve initially brought up in terms of the culture starts with the quarterback. That's where it starts, and that's the most important guy, even more than the head coach, unequivocally. Okay, and this is the thing that he will have a chance to do if they come back. Now, again, it might be too far gone, and I think it is. But for the next quarterback, for Mac Jones, for whoever becomes the starter or wins that position in training camp, you will have this opportunity. And this is an opportunity that Mac Jones didn't really have the first time around. The quarterback is the most important thing. And if you want to chime in, 617-779-7937. But with Bill Belichick in place, he was such a titanic figure and a huge name and a legendary presence. It was going to be really, really hard for a rookie, even though he was productive as a rookie and went to a Pro Bowl as an alternate or whatever, to infuse his culture on the team. Because Bill Belichick was such a presence there. Mac Jones, no matter how productive as a rookie, could not become the culture. Brady had been there. Belichick was still there. Belichick was just too big, too grand, too legendary to allow for that to happen. But now, it could happen. With a younger head coach, with a newer head coach. The other problem, though, is here we're, you're talking about offensive coordinators and, oh, Nick Cayley, a guy that some people were high on before he left, and now he's going to interview for the offensive coordinator job reportedly. That's the perfect type of guy who, if he comes in, he's a good offensive coordinator, he's good for Mac Jones, he's good for Jane Daniels, whoever the quarterback is. 
if he really does nice things with that quarterback, especially if it's Mac Jones, my God, he'd be, he'd be running the team. He'll get a head coaching job, and he'll be gone. That's the price you pay in the game you play for having Gerard Mayo as your head coach. It's fine. I think Gerard Mayo will be a good head coach, but he's not an offensive guy, so he's not going to grow as an offensive guy along with the quarterback. Now there's hope. Um, Jim Harbaugh wasn't really an offensive guy. He was a quarterback, but his coaching MO was more toughness, defense, run the ball, but he helped quarterbacks succeed. I don't know if Gerard Mayo can do that, but the quarterback will have a chance to infuse a culture on this team because of the presence of Bill Belichick no longer being a part of the picture. It, that was too much to overcome, especially for a young rookie, no matter how promising. Now you got a young head coach. If the quarterback's worth a damn, he could infuse a culture on the team that everyone, including the head coach, can feed off of. That's what the Crafts misjudged when they let Brady go. They did not think that Tom Brady was as big of a part of the Patriot way as he was. That whole Patriot way immediately ended up in Tampa, and after a few games, it was clear that they were on the come-up, and they won the championship the first damn year he was there. Let's talk to Harry and Quincy on the quarterbacks. Hey, Harry. How you doing? How you doing? I'd just like to say, Steve, the professor, caller, I agree with some of his points, but do not – Mac Jones and Jared Goff, Goff was overall number one. I mean, I don't have to say it. Went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he might have struggled out there, but no comparison. Our guy – Mac was nine and four in his first season, and uh, I think his numbers are very well gone the opposite way. Yes, I understand he didn't have an offensive court, but he went out of school. He made phone calls. Bill didn't like that. I just think Mac's not right for over here. I'll hang up and listen and enjoy the football games today, fellas. All right, you too, Harry. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's run its course. I mean, sometimes it's just it requires a change, and I don't know if based, especially a guy that's been here. I mean, Gerard Mayo was here. I just, I don't think after all that's happened that Mac Jones is going to be able to find any type of a rhythm here again. It, it, it's too far gone. There were too many bad moments and bad, just from a team perspective. Forget about Mac Jones individually. Does that team deep down as much of an affinity for Mac Jones as they might have as, you know, for the person or the guy or the leader even I just, how are they going to get to a point where they actually believe that he's going to be the guy that could take them to places they want to go after everything they've been through in Germany and some of the bad throws and decisions and benched and then third straight? Like, there's no way he can come back from all this. Not here. It sucks. I'm not saying it was all his fault. A lot of it might not have been his fault or it could have been half his I don't know. But it, it's it's an unfortunate thing to go from a Pro Bowl alternate or in the game your rookie year to where it went but i just i mean it's just it, it's too long of a road to recover from you can't do that the patriots are gonna have to find a way to get a court i mean everything is predicated on the quarterback everything I don't know, as optimistic as you might be for Gerard Mayo, the worst part about that press conference, as good as it was a good performance, what I took away, nobody in that building 
has a clue of who is going to pick the quarterback, including Robert Kraft. Nobody. They have no idea who's going to make that selection. The most important decision that this organization has had in the last 30 years or in Robert Kraft's tenure as owner, and they have no idea who's going to make that pick. They don't know if it's going to be an outside guy. They don't know if they're going to build from the inside or elevate people from the inside. Is Gerard Mayo going to make that call? Are the Crafts going to be the ones that sign that? They, nobody knows who's going to be the one to actually make that final call. The Crafts don't want to be the ones to do it. So they're evaluating, but they don't know who they're going to end up selecting. I mean, that's a problem. Let's talk to Jerry in the car on Mac Jones. Hey, Jerry. How you doing, guys? You know, I, I don't agree that Mac Jones has a chance in New England after what's happened the past couple of years. No matter how much air he's given or room he's got to grow or power he's given, you know, because Bill Belichick left, he's broken in New England. This has been a bad situation for him. He needs a fresh start. It's a psychological thing. You know, quarterbacks are head cases. There's no way he's going to resurrect himself in this particular season. I believe in the guy still. I think he's got a future somewhere else. I think he can resurrect somewhere else, blossom like a flower. But it's not going to happen in New England. There's just too much here, man, to, to overcome psychologically. And the team that's behind him has gone through it with him. He's going to want, you know, it's just, it's just not going to work for him anymore here. I agree. Thanks for the call, Jerry. It's just it, it, too many things have happened. I don't know how the team, forget about Mac Jones. Like I just said, how's the team going to get back on board with Mac Jones? And actually believe that he's the guy to take them to where they want to go. It's just too many things have happened for too many people for them to be able to believe that. It just it's not going to work. Um, you know, maybe at one point, again, it's not all his fault, but it's just gotten it, it got too far. It went too long, or he just had too many issues, um, and it's it's just not going to work. All right, we got to get to break here. Uh, more on the games coming up, some good games tonight. The the one I'm looking forward to is the Bills hosting the Chiefs to see Mahomes outside of Arrowhead in a playoff game. will be great. Uh, we'll get back to the calls. A Celtics take. This is Mark Dundero with you here on WEI. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is WEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Mark Hacker of WBI, Mark Dundare with you. I like the Lions and Bills tonight. I mean, I always have the respect there for Mahomes, but it just feels like Buffalo. I've been pumping their tires for weeks now. My dark horse, Allen's playing well. I, I just think they're going to find a way to get it done at home. Let's talk to Dan and Cranston on the Patriots. Hey, Danny. There I am. Did you miss not having a show yesterday? Oh, that's... It's a tough day every time that happens. Yes. <laughs> What's going on? Um, not much. It's a couple things. Um, well, you, the, the quarterback thing, you know, you probably already said this if I, I tuned in late, but, you know, everybody discounts, like, the first-round quarterback, how it's, a, a you know, more fail than not. 
But the fact of the matter is, outside of Brock Purdy, every quarterback was a first-round pick this weekend. You know? Correct. I mean, that's it, that. That's all you need to know. If you have a stab to get a guy, yeah, the chances are that you might not get the guy, but you have to take, what's your other option? There aren't any. You know? Wait to, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I've never understood that. Um, one thing about Belichick real quick, I'm sure you talked about this too, but I was just reading the... Uh, Adam Schefter report how it's, you know, not even close to being a done deal in Atlanta. Uh, what is his other options if he doesn't get this job? No, he doesn't have any. I don't know if he's rebuffed people or people just to genuinely, you know, he's not the right fit for our team right now. But, you know, there's a chance he's not coaching anywhere next year. Which would be awkward, Dan, especially if he was committed to coaching. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been one thing if he just – wanted to do TV or was going to step aside, which I wouldn't have agreed with. But if he wanted to do that, okay. If he was going into the marketplace and trying to get a job and couldn't, that's that's awkward to me. So we'll see. That'll be an interesting thing to watch unfold. Yeah, well, we'll know probably by this week, but he's never been linked to anyone else. The only thing I've heard is he's been rebuffed. Like there was no interest from Washington or the, you know, Carolina. And we don't know what, what – what happened in Dallas, but I just, I think we all know he wants to coach. I mean, Kraft even said as much when they had their farewell press conference. So I, it's just weird. I just can't imagine there wouldn't be somebody interested in him, but maybe they look at the guy as not the six Super Bowl rings, but maybe they look at the guy of the last four or five years, yeah. you know, and they're saying, we don't need this. We'll, we'll find out eventually. We'll find out. Thanks for the Talk call, Danny. I mean, I don't understand the whole I, – I don't understand the Atlanta thing. I mean, you got you, you need weapons. Obviously, we know that in the NFL today. You got Jonu Smith on the roster. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have a top pick. Why, I mean, I, why you would think Bill Belichick would come in there and, and make hay is beyond me. With respect. It just, I mean, again, the best case scenario for Bill Belichick wasn't even Dallas. It would have been fun. I would have loved to have seen it. It would have been fun. The best case scenario is Buffalo. And if they win today, that's going to be out the window. And it probably already is out the window. They needed to lose last week, I think, for that to really be in play, I think. Now, I guess if they really look bad today, anything's possible. Especially at home against a team that you've gone up against many times in the playoffs. You've never beaten them. Um, so I'm not going to close the door yet. But that's the situa- That's the only situation. Dak Prescott's not good enough for Bill Belichick. Not now. I don't care who that is, CeeDee Lamb. They don't have enough weapons. They don't have enough. The quarterback has to be at the top of the league. Burrow, Allen, Mahomes. I mean, here's one, Dan. Kansas City. Now, do I believe that Andy Reid will retire? No. I don't think he's going to walk away from Mahomes. Uh, but if that, was a, if that was a situation that came open, then yes, I would think that would be a good spot for Bill Belichick if they were interested. I don't know if they'd be interested. But you got a defensive guy, a great quarterback that can handle the offensive culture, that side of the ball, that could work. It has to be one of the elite guys for Bill Belichick to be in a good situation. And I know that's not, you know, any coach would be in a good situation if he was the coach of one of the elite guys. But if you're talking about Bill Belichick, he's not going to make water out of wine. Yeah, it's not going to happen. What did I say? Water out of wine, wine out of water, whatever. You know what I mean? Let's talk to Louie and Seabrook. Hey, Louie. Lou. 
Hey, man, I'm just hey, about to go in and do some gambling, but uh, I really like your show. Uh, when I think of you, I think of Mark De Niro. Listen, uh, 86 Who's years, it? the Red Sox won nothing. Yeah. 67, 75, 86. Yep. People here will have tolerance, my man. We will have tolerance. The Patriots, six Super Bowls, six victories. They shouldn't have beat Atlanta. They shouldn't have beat Seattle. Listen, man, you got a lot of good callers. You got a lot of good elocution. But, bro, when you got a basketball team that's 20 and 1, and you've got the competitive nature of all these teams, there's no problem. Yeah. Well, thanks for the call, Louie, but I'll say this. Okay, the last 20 years, and it's not fair, it is not fair, but the last 20 years, and Tom Brady specifically, conditioned us to think a certain way. And the Red Sox, yeah, we were patient all those years in the 60s, 70s. I mean, I wasn't around for that, but throughout the 90s into the 2000s, they were a certain type of team. Then all of a sudden... They went out and did smart things and got Pedro and got Manny and signed big-name players. And that's what these fans think about. Yes, David Ortiz wasn't a big-name signing, but that's what they think about. That's ingrained at the foundation of their fandom. A lot of the fans that you see at Winter Weekend getting pissed. The fans that grew up on Pedro, big signing, Manny, big signing, Schilling, big signing that got them over the hunt. I mean, that's what it was. Schilling was a huge big, noteworthy, flashy move. They signed him, and he was the guy that put the Red Sox over the hump. Now, there are other pieces, obviously Ortiz, like I said, but it was Schilling who came in and won some of those big games and had the toughness and the postseason experience that you needed to help get you over the hump, and it was a big deal signing. It wasn't Corey Kluber. It wasn't some guy that came up out of it. It was a big-name player. That's what this generation of fans cut their teeth on. Josh Beckett, Mike Lowell, big-name signings that came in and ended up World Series MVPs and ALCS MVPs. So that's where the lack of patience comes from. That's what we all think about. How did they get there, and what are they doing now? It is not the same. So people are reacting. Mike Lowell, Beckett. Those types of J.D. Martinez even. Throw him on into that mix. I mean, how about 2013? Shane Victorino. Mike Napoli. These weren't, they weren't even the biggest ones. But again, noteworthy. Big signings. When you did it and it didn't work, we weren't like this. Hanley Ramirez. Carl Crawford. Adrian Gonzalez. We didn't go to Winter Weekend and get all up in on the owners. It was frustrating, but we were patient because that's what the new Red Sox model was. Now they're going back to something nobody's recognized and people are impatient. That's why it is what it is now. All those championships we won arguably came off of some big-name signings and were associated with those types of moves. We're not seeing those now in association with last-place finishes. we got to go to break. When we get back, there's a problem that unveiled itself with the Celtics the other day. Is it going to ruin them? Not necessarily, but I need to highlight what happened in that game against the Nuggets. I'm Mark Dundere with you here on WEI. We're right back to it on WEI. Just just sort of specifically, if you could walk me through that final shot on KCP, sort of what were you looking for when you got the ball, and then what did you think of the look when you got it? Yeah, I think I kind of rushed it, and that's on me. Uh, in the back of my mind, I wasn't sure if they were going to foul. They had a foul to give. Uh, 
but you know, um, I had more time than I gave myself. So, um, you know, I, I should have took some more time, but you know, can't go back. So, you know, something that I can learn from. All right, back here on WEI. I only had an hour and 15 minutes, so we didn't have time to fully dive into this. Um, but I've been talking about this for more than a year, okay? And it's on Twitter. You can look it up. I've been saying this exact thing for a long time now, specifically regarding end-of-game situations, final 10 seconds, clock winding down, buzzer beaters. The Celtics suck in those scenarios, okay? Now, I remember back in 2014, I want to say, do you remember the Patriots won the Super Bowl that year? Okay, and in that season, during that playoff run, they beat the Ravens. Um, they beat, what was it, the Colts, which was deflate gate, I think. And then they beat, obviously, the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Okay? But in that entire run to a Super Bowl championship, in two games, by the way, that were nip and tuck, the Ravens and the Seahawks game. You went through that entire playoff run and not one time did Steven Goskowski trot out onto the field for a truly meaningful field goal during the whole playoff run. We saw it last night in some of the games. Big field goals missed. Um, Kai Forbath, I think he's, he missed the, game, the field goal for the Texans at the end of the first half. Didn't really prove to be big eventually, but at the time it was huge. Obviously the kicker, the... Uh, Packers kicker missed a 41-yard field goal late last night that if he had made it, San Francisco would have tied the game late and not gone ahead by three. Big miss. That was never the case during the 2014 playoffs for the Patriots. They never kicked a big field goal. The reason I bring that up is because maybe, maybe the Boston Celtics can get away with winning a championship without having too many of these situations we saw unfold last night or Friday night happen in the playoffs. Maybe. I wouldn't bet on it. There are too many games in basketball. But with Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Drew Holiday and all the talent that they have and how good they are, maybe they'll be able to get away with it. But I'm telling you, Tatum and Brown are still not good enough in those specific situations. Brown misses two free throws because he tightens up and Tatum gets out of control and throws out. He doesn't just miss the shot. It's an embarrassing brick. And go back and I got to give Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe credit. He wrote a great article. I think it was in today's Globe. Maybe yesterday's Globe. Yesterday, last night. Okay? Outlining this entire thing, what I have been saying for over a year. Nobody wants to hear it. These trolls on Twitter come at me every time there's some production at the end of a game. I didn't hear anything the other night. And I don't want to be right on this. I don't. I hate this. I want the Celtics to win a championship. And I want to create content associated with another championship for the Boston Celtics. But I just, this is what I'm watching. And it is not good enough. It hasn't been. They look out of sorts. Okay, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about this article that Gary Washburn wrote because I thought it outlined exactly what's going on beautifully and it echoed everything I've said. And it backed it up with some stats. Jason Tatum currently shooting 33.3% in clutch situations per Gary Washburn with the game within five points in the, fa in the last five minutes 
he's one for seven this season. Let me say that again. Tatum is shooting 33.3% in clutch situations with the game within five points in the last five minutes. Okay, that's one thing. He's one for seven this season when the game is within three points in the final 30 seconds. Buzzer beaters is what I'm referring to. End of the game. Not the fourth quarter. Not with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Not with 2.12 to go in the fourth. I'm talking about have-to-have-it baskets. Not good enough. One for seven. Within three points in the final 30 seconds. Not good enough if you're Jason Tatum. And that's who he is. He's one of the best players in the league. I love what, what Washburn said here. Because it's absolutely true. Tatum trusts his teammates, but he also places so much pressure on himself to be the unquestioned offensive catalyst that it makes the Celtics' offense too predictable. Fine. If that's what you think, that's your opinion. I don't necessarily have a problem with him embracing that role and doing those things, but you got to convert sometimes. Because even if the offense is predictable, you're Jason Tatum. You're better than everyone else, and it becomes about the Jimmys and Joes rather than the X's and O's. So even if it's predictable, you got to go to the guy who's your dude, and that's Tatum. So I'm okay with it being a little predictable. Just execute better. Tatum, per Washburn, watches those Kobe videos or Michael Jordan soaring high in the air, lofting game-winning jump shots over helpless defenders, clips that have made him immortal. Tatum... Wants to be immortal too. But this new NBA is different. In those days, Jordan's teams and the teams he played didn't blitz as much. They relied on one-on-one defense and nobody could single-handedly guard Jordan. I think Jason Tatum's head is in the right place. But the problem is he can become a head case. He tightens up in big spots. And that is not a knock on him. That's just the reality. He is an awesome, great, fabulous player. But it's too often, in the most important moments, he gets tight. He goes cold. And you can't play basketball that way. I mean, everybody could see what happened the other night. Everybody could see what happened. There is The last thing you could do there, if you're the Celtics, was what they did. Take a mid-range jump shot to tie the game. You either take a three... Because that's your bread and butter. Or if you're Tatum and get the ball, you take it to the hole. But he caught a, he sort of caught the ball a little awkwardly. And that messed up his timing and his flow. And then he panicked and he threw up a brick. I mean, that's what happened. That was a setback on Friday. That was a setback. Do not think that wasn't a setback for one second. That was a setback. A significant setback? I'm not going to go that far. But it's not because they lost the game or they finally lost the game at home. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? And if you want to chime in, do it quick because we're running out of time. You're running out of show. 617-779-7937. What I'm talking about is when you start, you know, this has been a thing for the Celtics and Tatum. Then you have a marquee matchup at home against the Denver Nuggets, the team that won the championship last year. You get it down to the wire. You're down two and you miss a shot like that. And now it's up in lights and all these stats and Gary Washburns are typing up articles about 
how you are in clutch time in these specific situations. What that does, and this is an accumulation of things that have happened over the course of a long time here, multiple years, multiple playoff runs. Why that was such a big setback is because now, after Brown missed two free throws and Tatum missed the shot and it looked awful and ugly, now what you have is a scenario where doubt creeps in and the culture surrounding the Boston Celtics takes a hit. And now, when you get into that type of situation again, the belief that you're going to find a way to pull it out because of your dude, because of your best player, is not going to be as strong. It was already, you know, a little touchy based on past performances. Then you have a big marquee matchup like that, and the exact thing happens where in a clutch moment, down to the wire, buzzer beater, got to get it to tie, you throw up that shot and execute that way, and there's missed free throws. That is going to give... I mean, that's a hit. That's a setback for the Boston Celtics. Doesn't mean it'll derail their season. Doesn't mean they can't win the championship now or anything like that. But that is a setback. And if they don't win the championship, it will be because of things like this. I firmly believe that. Because it's things like this. It's that it's that doubt that you can create when your best player is unable to help you get the win in those types of scenarios that teams like the Miami Heat feed off of. They feed off of that doubt. And they use it against you. The Jimmy Butlers, the Eric Spolsters, the really good teams, the really savvy teams that know how to win in the playoffs, in the big games. They feed off of that doubt because they know it's there. The Celtics, I've been saying, they. what, what have I been saying this whole season? You can win a lot of games. You can have talent and win a lot of games. But having a winning DNA is a different thing. And I think Friday night exposed their uh, their you know lack of a winning DNA at times. I'm not freaking out. Again, I'm not saying that this is going to ruin them unequivocally. This will this though is just my top number one red flag concern. And yes, you can win a lot of games and not have a great winning DNA. Not have a thriving winning DNA. And if that's the case, I don't know what to tell you playoff time when you face the best teams. Let's talk to Steven Andover. Hey, Steve. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, this has been going on for a few years now. I mean, you've got two superstars. Why can't you match the superstars of the other team at the end of the game when it counts? At the end of the game, you're supposed to match them. Take over the game the way they do. This has happened the last few years. Do you agree with that? Yes. I've been talking about it. Thank you, Steve. The The problem is, the reason they can't is because Tatum gets tight and Brown gets tight. It's different. I mean, it's different when you're taking a shot to save the game versus you're taking a shot in the third quarter up five. You have, there's, you know, some people just get more nervous. I'm not going to call them chokers because Tatum has come through in those spots before. I think I, sometimes he gets in his own head, he gets himself tied up or tight or sped up or whatever you want to call it. And as a result, he doesn't execute as well. It's not hating on Jason Tatum. That's what it is. And again, not fair. We came off of 20 years of Tom Brady, who was the best player in the league. 
the mentally toughest player in the league and the clutchest player in the league. That's why I'm saying Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're not not mentally tough. They are mentally tough. I think they have a ton of mental toughness. But I also think they have a, they have a tendency to become head cases sometimes. That's a different thing. A lot of mental... It's not, I'm not calling them... I'm not coming at their mental toughness. They are mentally tough athletes. They can battle back from adversity. They're good at overcoming. They're mentally tough. But sometimes in big spots, they can become head cases. They get in their own head. They get tight. And their execution suffers as a result of those emotions they feel. I mean, if you play, you don't have to play sports at the highest level to know what I'm talking about. You know, hitting a, dri- hitting a golf ball in the driving range straight versus hitting a golf ball on the eighth hole straight when there's trees on the right and water on the left. That's a different thing. It's a harder thing to do. Just like executing under pressure. Some people are born for that moment. Some people get tight. I mean, LeBron James is like that. Arguably, not to me, he's not the best player ever, but to a lot of people, he's the best player ever. Yet at times, he had a tendency to get tight and not be at his best in the biggest moments of games. I think there's a little bit of that with Tatum and Brown. You know, some people, some players aren't as good. I guess Robert Ory, not as good, but in big moments, just had this cocky swagger about himself that he was going to get it done and make the shot, and he would. And I don't know if it's going to derail that they have a ton of talent, and maybe they can overcome it, and they win a couple of those close games. But that is the concern if the culture becomes... Geez, at the end of games, we have trouble closing it out or winning because our best player can't make that shot. The good teams feed off of that. The Heat, those types, they feed off of that. Let's talk to Greg in a car on Joe Missoula. Hey, Greg. Hey, how you doing? Uh, how you doing? Hi, how are you? Uh, real fast, and then I'll jump off. Um, you are spot on, by the way. Um, the situation at the end of the game, I, you know, facing Tatum not being able to make that shot, He's become so predictable at being the guy who gets that ball. When I see Derek White sinking shots with like .2 left of the clock at, at the end of halves, and it's like, why can't you give that guy a shot? The other thing is that the Celtics only put in two points in the last minute of the game. I think Missoula was outcoached. He should recognize that Derek White, I think, is a better person for that shot because everybody's going to go to Tatum because they think he's going to get the ball. I'm out. Have a great All right, weekend. Thanks for the call, Greg, and I don't disagree with that, but then that changes the dynamic of the team. you got to keep that in mind. You know, that's, there's philosophical reasons they do things. If, you, if all of a sudden Derek White is your unequivocal closer, what does that say about Tatum, who's supposedly your best player, who is the best player? Then all of a sudden he has to, you know, admit that he's not great in those situations. That's kind of a dynamic that Joe Mazzulla would have to manage. Ideally, your best player, especially with the offensive arsenal that Tatum has, you want him to be your best player in those spots. I don't disagree. If it's about actual execution, I would have more faith in Derek White. But, you know, Tatum is the best player, and ideally the the script says it should be Tatum making that play. But it hasn't been, so then what do you do? That's where Joe, Joe Mazzullo is going to really earn his paycheck come April and May. Let's talk to Mike in Boston on Tatum. Hey, Mike. Hey, Joe. How you doing? How you doing? Everybody knows what you're talking about. I think it was like a couple of years ago when they were in the championship. And every it was so noticeable that Tatum didn't want the ball in the fourth quarter. You know, you pass it to Marcus Smart. He travels like he usually does. 
or you give it, and he can't dribble to his left, which everybody knows, and then he falls down, gives up the ball, turns the ball over. Tatum didn't want the ball, and I told a buddy of mine at work, after seeing that, Tatum and Brown will not win you a championship, period. All right, thanks for the call, Mike. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to say they're not going to get there. There's just concerns and things they have to overcome. And I said this last year. I saw it in the in the divisional playoffs, I think it was, with the Chiefs. And after the game, it was Chris Jones or somebody talking about how because they have Pat Mahomes, they just have a belief that they're going to find a way, and the team feeds off of that. I don't know if that exists with the Celtics. I don't know if at the end of games they have this inner belief that we have player X, so we're going to find a way to win. And if they do have that belief, who's player X? That's what I'd love to know. That's what I'd love to know what Sam Hauser thinks about that. Or, you know, one of the guys, maybe Al Horford. Because we have player X, we're going to find a way to win. Do you have that attitude, number one? And you'd think with Tatum you'd have it or something close to it. He's not Mahomes. But when you have that guy, the Chiefs, it's just a good feeling to be able to play knowing, hey, if we need him, he'll become Superman. It's asking a lot, but you're a first-team all-league guy. And I, I just don't know if the Celtics have that innate belief at the, at the end of the biggest games, our best guy is going to rise up and take us home. Let's talk to Steve in the car. we got to be fast, though. Hey, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Sorry. You know, I agree with you 100%, but he still does not have the eye of the tiger like last year. He doesn't have it. You got to give the ball to someone who's got that in him, like Derek White. He could have shot a three. Or if you're going to give it to Tatum at the very end of the game like that, tell him to go straight to the hoop, get fouled, whatever. You get fouled and get two shots, and try and sink them both and tie the game. It just That's wasn't right. there. He I has agree. not got the eye of the tiger. All right, Steve. I disagree with that. I do think Jason Tatum has the eye of the tiger. Thanks for the call. I disagree. The problem is though the execution. I don't. Th if he didn't have the eye of the tiger, I would have felt like he was shying away from opportunities like that. I don't think he does that. I think he wants the ball. He wants to be that guy. But the execution is what's lacking. And I think that's where sometimes the nerves creep in or the, the, the doubt creeps in or he gets a little sped up like we saw the other night and he rushes it and it's a bad shot. Too many times he's not under control. He's not composed. And he doesn't execute. It's about execution. You never felt like Tom Brady was frantic in those moments. He was under control. He was composed. And again, not a fair comparison, but that's the standard that we had set here for 20 years. So if we're talking about winning a championship with the Celtics, they're on the, the precipice of it. They're right there. They were in the finals. They got some of the best players, most talented team. They're right there. So we're going to look at them from that lens. And it just feels like he gets, I don't think he doesn't have the eye of the, he wants that. As Gary Washburn outlined, he wants to be that guy. It's just the execution part of it is what hurts. Let's, uh, real quick, let's sneak in Steve and Andover. Is this Steve still on the phone, Nico? Yes, this hey, is Steve. Me. Hey, what's up? I'll be quick. Uh, congratulations on your extension of contracts, all you talk show hosts. This is in regards to the Patriots and, and uh, Mr. Kraft's decision. Yeah, I'll tell uh, Greg Hill I you mean, said congrats. Okay, I'm, I'm just venting in that we don't have an owner that had enough nuts to stand up and say, you know, this guy, he's been brooding over this for two years, but this guy gave us 24 years, and how in hell can I let him go? He had no spine, as far as I'm concerned. And I'll leave it at that. All right, thanks for the call, Steve. Well, I think it had to get to the point where Bill Belichick was leaving. I mean, it never ends well in these scenarios. Um, 
It never does. And Bill Belichick got to a point where they just needed a change. And it will be interesting if he doesn't get the Atlanta job, what happens? I don't know where he's going to end up. Again, outside of some disaster unfolding today in Buffalo, he really hasn't been linked to the Chargers at all. You would have thought if he was going to be linked to them, it would have happened by this point. I, I don't know what happens, and I don't understand the whole Atlanta thing to begin with. I don't. I mean, the NFC South is a you know winnable division, I guess, but the Bucs are one game away from the NFC Championship, so... You know, maybe he has an idea of bringing Kirk Cousins and he'll hope that that's his Jared Goff, kind of. They do have some weapons. I, I don't get it. So, you know, we'll see. I like the Bills. I think the Bills are finally going to slay that dragon tonight, and I think it's time in Detroit. Michigan football is hot. Um, so those are my picks. All right, we have to trend. Let's do it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.